بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا أقيم أتول المتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلوات الله وسلامه على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلت سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So everybody, Alhamdulillah, this is our second lesson from Medina Al-Munawwara and you can see in the background, Alhamdulillah, uh, we have a different location, different folks uh, today. And inshallah, um, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless all of us with an opportunity to keep, uh, if you haven't been before, then to come to this wonderful, uh, incredible city. And for those that have been blessed to come, then may they be blessed to keep on coming. Um, it's something very special, of course. Uh, to come to this blessed city. It is a haram, it is a sanctuary, it is protected from uh, uh, significant evil and people's iman increases here. It's a great place to recharge batteries and it's also a great place to rediscover the importance of the sunnah, to connect with uh, students of knowledge, to connect with the scholars, to connect with the Quran and personal recitation and reflection and alhamdulillah. So I recommend it, uh, uh, you know, uh, significantly uh, uh, increases one's yani, love for the deen and the sunnah and the ilm. And inshallah, uh, uh, don't forget that I will be taking a group on March 28th, inshallah, uh, from the, the UK. And then of course there's Hajj as well, August 7th, I believe. Um, those can be found on that uh, Hajj with AE uh, Facebook uh, page or whatever it's called. Right, okay. So um, what we're we doing today? Today, inshallah, we are going to finish off um, the chapter of the Qibla insha'Allah that's what we're going to do maybe even start the next one well, let's see what happens with the time um, so where did we get to last time we basically said that um, if there are two people what did we talk about last time did we did say that right yes if there are two people who uh, when you, let's read the text actually the Arabic is uh, when اجتهد مجتهدان فاختلف في جهة لم يتبع عهدهما الآخر ويتبع المقلد أوثقهما عنده. Woman, and then we will continue on today as well with ومن صلى بغير اجتهاد ولا تقليد قضاء وجد من يقلده ويجتهد العارف بأدلة القبلة لكل الصلاة ويصلي بالثاني ولا يقضي ما صلى بالأول. Okay. So, uh, if two mujtahids differ whilst trying to work out the direction, one cannot follow the other. One cannot follow, yani these two mujtahids, one of them can't follow the other. The muqallid, however, follows whoever he feels is most trustworthy or more trustworthy. The one who prays without making ijtihad or following someone else, despite having the ability to do so, must make up his prayer. Someone who understands how to work out the Qibla must attempt to do so for every prayer. He then prays according to his new judgment and he doesn't need to repeat his first prayer. So inshallah we're gonna finish this today. I'm confident that we can do this today. All right, so in summary, what did we say? We said that if uh, from at the end of last week's lesson, because obviously the majority of last week's lesson was taken up with the Qutb and Al-Jadi and Al-Farqad and Al-Farqadan actually and all of these kind of new phrases that we got to uh, speak about 
the North Star and Ursa Minor and Capricornus so or Alpha 2 Capricorni etc etc and I was looking at the questions from uh, last week's lesson and uh, one of them came to you know um, st uh, stood out for me and it said I still don't understand the significance of these stars in understanding direction and really I cannot possibly emphasize this more and from personal experience I can remember when I was in Mauritania um, that was a long time ago not just before smartphones it was before obviously uh, uh, if it's before smartphones and it was basically before all the social media and notifications and the the length of very bright screens and whatever light pollution generally was much yani, lighter than we're talking now 20 years ago so uh, generally and then Mauritania very poor country uh, very little electricity very dark uh, uh, actually even now probably one of the few places in the world certain parts of Mauritania but in the few places in the world that actually remind you of what it used to be what the world would be like 1400 years ago especially in the desert I mean we're here now uh, in Medina and they've opened up a new Sira exhibition if you're coming then uh, it's next to the Asma Allah Husna uh, exhibition so if you imagine when you're walking into the masjid then the, the, you know from the back from the King Fahad side and the front of course is where the Qibla is then it's to the extreme right so if you go to the extreme right of the mosque outside past the courtyard you see the Asma uh, exhibition then the next one is the Sira one when you go in there and you see actually some of the models and some of the kind of you know that they made a model of Medina old Medina original Medina the original mosque of the Prophet you get a sense of uh, you know if you didn't understand already just the simplicity of life and um, you know there is very little opportunity just even in those way those houses are especially with the fact that they are made with combustible material that's why the Prophet ﷺ, you know encouraged people to they, they turn they turn out lamp, 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 uh, lamps or lanterns that are obviously being um, uh, lit by a flame because of its danger and other reasons as well and so even the source of light that they would be using was encouraged not to be used because of his danger and people are being encouraged to go to sleep early so the night time really was a night time very very dark and so these stars are incredibly prominent they're incredibly bright and they're very well noticeable by everyone and it's the only thing that you see it's like you know uh, you see something a lot you become familiar with it like you know you might have no interest whatsoever in cars but if you're seeing cars go past you every single day you get to understand what a Toyota is and what a Ford is and what a you know a Nissan is and you get to understand models and like anything yeah any familiarity of course breeds that 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 knowledge that is required that people don't sometimes under, you know appreciate that you're actually studying so uh, when you're seeing stars always be in the same place or when you're seeing the moon always be in the same place on the same time and the same day every month when you're seeing the sun take a position which is absolutely the same every time rising in the eastern you know that and it sets in the western you know that so once you are able to determine one thing's location and know its direction so one thing is to know the location of something and then, then the second thing is to know that it its location is in the north the east the west then like I told you before once you've aimed once you're able to work out one of the directions then you can work out the rest of the directions so if you are in the north you can see the north star you're sorted now someone uh, if you're able to see the north star especially at the at the equator then you're seeing it at the equatorial level and you're able to actually then uh, see it so low that it's actually straight in front of you that's the that's the benefit because if you're really close to the north star you can't actually use it so well so someone did ask a question you know what if you're in the southern kind of latitude areas yeah and in southern 
side of the uh, like South Africa and like you know that you know way below the equator South Africa obviously more than that but yeah and you know down below the equator um, I have to say I don't understand exactly what the maths would be with the North Star I'm guessing it's far more difficult to see I'm guessing most of these kind of northern stars would be more difficult to see but you still got the Sun you still got the moon you still got other things that are other constellations and and stars that you are able to see the point is you're just try you're only trying to find out one direction now as I mentioned uh, you know there are going to be parts of, of the world where you are not going to be able to use some of these things but the Muslim countries are also and that's why the books of fiqh are full of this discussion that's very important that, that you see a lot of people they get scared when they talk about things in Islam that don't have a basis or don't have a mention from previous times and at the same time they also kind of almost worship the things that have been mentioned in earlier times you know they give it undue importance and you have to remember that sometimes rarely not rarely but sometimes in the sharia there are certain things that allah subhanahu and the prophet want to emphasize you know maybe some simple things like you know like like a camel for example and they and and they want the discussion to be about the camel and the focus to be about the camel and the ruling to be on the camel and not its modern day version the car or whatever there are specific rulings for the camel that are to be restricted to the camel and then there are certain issues that do with suffer travel which is going to do the camel and they are applied to today's modern cars likewise this focus on the north star whatever i only kind of focus on it out of respect to the author respect to shepherd if they mean the commentator and respect yani, to the general school of fiqh but actually what we really should be doing if we were to write a modern day fiqh kind of class is also we do want to bring back yani, the science of astronomy um and you know we want people to become aware of these things but the truth is, is that we would spend more focused time on apps and a GPS and so on and so forth because they are the stars of our time. That is what people are growing up with. And so the books of fiqh that would be modern would be focusing on these things as opposed to, you know, spending way too much time on the ideas of geocentric this and what about going, you know, the Ahbash, this sect in America that says you pray that way and go this way. It's just a waste of time. We don't want to waste too much time. I do want to say to you that don't worry too much about what because this is not, this is not tawqifi knowledge. This is not something which is uh, to be studied for the sake of being studied. These are principles in order to get to something. And that is the direction of the Qibla. And today, if we are able to get to the direction of the Qibla using all these yani, modern means, then to be honest, it's not so important to worry too much about these. I do think it should be studied though, because I do think that you know, Muslims need to be aware, especially that you know, our, our, our spiritual home is in simplicity. The Prophet ﷺ did say that, that we are a people that don't yani, calculate, we don't know how to write or calculate. Uh, uh, and he said this hadith, with respect to the, the 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 seeing of the moon and the and the completion of the month, with respect to fasting, his point was was that you know what we are a universal religion that covers all the poor people and the simple simple people as well as the clever and intellectual ones. So there have to be universal signs that everyone can get access to. The truth of the matter is is that you know the smartphones now are going to become universal in the next five ten years. Every single person will have them because electricity won't be an issue. There will be solar charges everywhere. The technology will be so cheap that everyone will copy these kinds of technologies. It's already happening. And so our focus on GPS-based data uh, apps is going to be like the new ilm that we teach. And it's straightforward, it's easy. 
and it's doing it for us for automatically based upon GPS satellite yeah, and specific yeah, and locationing and that's great so I don't want to you know I don't want people to worry too much about what if I can't see the star I don't understand it blah 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 I'm saying that you know it's nice for us to have that knowledge that when we're outside and we don't have battery we don't have access to anything then we can look around us and we can make a judgment call the beautiful thing being about the, uh, the, the, the reason why again there's a focus on the stars and, the, and, and, and especially the North Star is because most of the Muslim countries were in that equatorial region and as I said when you're at zero latitude or near zero latitude in that Asia and Arab kind of Middle East and whatever whatnot then in this area you're seeing the North Star very low and if you're seeing it very low it's really being a real help to show you what North is if it's just there then you know it's not like it's up there and then you don't know which way you're looking at it do I go from here do I go from there you know the Sun is difficult it's difficult halfway when the sun is high or towards us of time it's difficult to work out exactly uh, is it what what direction is actually pointing in because it's so high but if it was low at a certain time or it wasn't moving like the north star then you're very confident so the north star is actually very important for us to use it makes a really simple kind of option anyway all right so you have these two mujtahids and uh they differ in the ruling and uh, one says this way one says that way and we're not going to follow uh, we're only going to follow those that, um, uh, um, uh, sorry, when you've got these two that are differing over the, the position, and differing has to be 100% differ. So one says that way, another one says that way. We already said that if they agree that it's that direction, but some, some say that it's a little bit this way, someone says a little bit that way, that's okay. That's the difference which is acceptable. We can live with that. We're going to pray in that direction. Uh, and um, uh, one of them can follow the other. And you know, as, Sheikh, as I mentioned last week, in the halal haram we would follow these people. So why is it not possible then to follow uh, them in their ijtihad, especially if they think that they could be wrong with the possibility of being right, and the other guy is possibly wrong, uh, wrong with the possibility of being right? So there's an ijtihad matter here. Um, and as for, so, so even though the text says that one does not follow the other, what did we say? Class position, you are allowed to follow the other person. So if there are two people that make this decision, make this yani uh, uh, discussion. Uh, it is permissible even if it is in the opposite direction even if it's the opposite direction to follow the other one because this is ishtihad okay so we are differing from the class position uh, here and the muqallid and I just want to now just look at a few words here the word mujtahid comes from the word to for the person who does ishtihad from jahada from jihad to strive to work really hard to do their very best so they've tried their very best to come to this conclusion that's called ishtihad the one who does that is mujtahid and mujtahid normally is someone in the islamic terminology someone who's a very top scholar but here mujtahid is not referring to a big scholar mujtahid means someone who knows actually what direction i need to uh, what the rules are for following the qibla i need to do this that, that uh, this this direction is southeast is northwest is whatever and i know that but i just don't know where northwest is i just don't know where southeast is so he's trying his best so he knows about that area he's not, he's not talking about necessarily a scholar a huge scholar so um that's what mujtahid is. The muqallid, okay, and this is one of the first times that we've come about uh, across this issue in this class, okay, and it is important because Shaykh al mentions it for the first time, and that is the muqallid. The muqallid is the one who does taqlid, and taqlid is what? I, you're gonna have to go back to year one, the earlier sessions where we spoke about this. Taqlid is blind following. It's basically what people do who don't have an idea what's going on. And the muqallid is that person. The muqallid is the one who literally follows blindly someone who knows because they just don't know and that's it and you know what in islam that's the only thing that you've been commanded to do first ask 
the people of knowledge if you do not know because if you know then you have to deal with it yourself if you don't know you have to ask someone who does know it is that simple a formula don't need to complicate it any further and taqlid is that entire state of mind and being and practice that a person is in when they're following someone okay and i always and i've always said before and i mentioned it before as well that as ibn Taymiyyah said that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never intended for all the people just to be muqallideen that's not the, the, the you know the be all and end all of life you want to be the person who gets to the top and makes decisions not copy other people that has there's an impact on the heart it makes your deen less real if you know what i mean you're just copying people but the truth be told it's the natural state of the majority of people and that's why we've got to respect it and we've got to provide and offer this service for the basic people that's why we just tell people what to do with them but we're giving them evidences or explain to them what or whatever and that's fine now uh, the truth is is that Every muqallid is going to be copying another person based upon some principles, ideas, or recommendations, some, or, or the heart feels comfortable with someone. Because actually, what the author here says is that the muqallid he follows عند, the one who is more thiqa according to him, which is ironic because actually, if he knew that, then he wouldn't be such a muqallid. If he knew that the, 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 the ability to be able to understand yani, who is a more knowledgeable person because of what they're saying, then that means he's got some kind of grasp of actually the evidences and their interpretations as well. So that's a little bit kind of, you know, Allahu A'lam about, you know, uh, 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 making this person to be out some, some kind of fool. No, it's just a case that, you know what, if you don't know and you've got some people yani, that you do trust and they differ, then you've got to just follow the one that you feel uh, has got it right. Okay, the one that has got it yani, uh, right. And it could be any um, basis that you do that uh, on. But that's all you can do. So, yani, that's what he does. Anyway, now, um, so that's straightforward. The next section, the next uh, statement, وَمَنْ صَلَّى um, So the muqallid follows whoever he feels is more trustworthy. Okay, that's great. That's great. That's just straightforward. Then, وَمَنْ صَلَّى بِغَيْرِ إِجْتِهَادٍ وَلَا تَقْلِيدٍ قَضَى إِنْ وَجَدَ مَنْ يُقَلِّدُ The one who prays without making ishtihad or following someone else despite having the ability to do so must make up his prayer. Okay? So this is a guy who didn't try to do it himself, didn't try to find out the, 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 the way himself and there was someone that he could have asked or, or, there was someone that he could have asked but he didn't bother asking him. Okay? So, here's me. Okay, let's say that, you know, I go to a hotel and it's time to pray and I just say, you know what? I'm just going to give it Bismillah. And I just pray towards the wall. Okay? Um, that's me in trouble. And what do, what do I have to do? Must make up his prayer. Yani qada in what, yani, he must make up his prayer. I must, make, I must repeat my prayer, basically. That prayer is null and void. Why? Because I didn't bring the condition. What was the condition? To establish the Qibla. How was I meant to establish the Qibla? I've got two options. Either I work it out as best as I possibly can, or number two, I ask someone who knows. In the first scenario, if I try my best as a, not just a scholar, I do ijtihad. I try my very best. So I call someone. I look up the GPS locator, Qibla locator, which is that program that draws a map on, on Google Maps, and you can just keep, uh, uh, if you type in Qibla locator, it's actually quite good. It draws a map from where you are using your Wi-Fi connection. It gives you the IP address and it tells you where you are. And then it draws a line on the Google Maps to the to the Kaaba as the crow flies. And you can keep going in, keep going in, enlarging, enlarging until you're able to actually see the building you're in. And the line is coming out of the building. So you can see your building and say, right, the line's going out that way. So it actually shows you exactly. And it's amazing, right? Or you can use an app, okay? Or you can use your compass or you can use GPS or whatever you can use. 
you know that southeast from the UK is, is, is the general direction. You know that the television areas, whatever. But I go in here and I don't bother doing any of that. Any of it. I don't bother. So I'm sinful now. Meaning that I, and I pray. I didn't even yeah, any, uh, attempt to make the, uh, the attempt to find the, 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 what's it called? The direction. I didn't even try it. I didn't make ishtihad. So I'm uh, accountable and I did not fulfill the condition of the prayer. And I have to repeat the prayer. But if I did all of that. Now imagine I did all of that. And I got it wrong, I do not repeat the prayer. That's the whole point behind this. Okay, so the people who are asking the question, do I, you know, I got it, I made a mistake, whatever. I do not need to repeat the prayer. Okay, so um, what's the second way of me finding out? Let's say I don't know uh, how to do it. I've got no idea. I don't even have a phone. Don't know anything about it. But I know that in the next room there is a scholar, or there's someone who knows the direction, or there's a Muslim who lives here in the hotel or works in the hotel, and he does know the direction, and I can get hold of that person. I have to ask that person. It's obligatory for me to ask that person. If I don't, then I and I pray and I find out that that, that prayer is in the wrong direction. I've got to then pray again, meaning I've got to correct myself and I've got to repeat that prayer. That prayer didn't count. So if I didn't find a person, so just like in the first scenario, there is a there is a get out clause. There's a get out clause in the second scenario as well. If I am not able to find a person to ask, then I do. Then I make my best guess. I say, Allah, I, I can't got no way to work it out. I've got no one to ask. I'm going to pray in this direction. And then you find out later that it was in the wrong direction. You do not need to repeat the prayer because you tried your best. You see, this this is a very important point. If you mess up the direction of the qibla and you tried your best, you do not repeat the prayer. But if you did it the other way around, where you didn't bother working it out, you didn't ask anyone, then you have to repeat your prayer. That is the basic. Um, that's the basic message uh, here. Um, right. Let's uh, see. Uh, 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 something which is interesting, Shaka Uthameen brings up. He goes that uh, if you look at the wording of what the author says, he says, That the one who prays without making ishtihad or asking someone else then or, or, or not asking someone else despite yani, that person being around they have to make that prayer up if you actually look at it that actually it means that even if you've got to pray in the right direction you've got to make up the prayer can you believe that okay so even if you got the prayer right basically you blagged it and the blag is not good enough that's what the author is saying that if you didn't try to work it out but you guessed or you didn't ask someone you didn't bother, he was there, but you just said sack that and you prayed next and you got it right. You have to repeat the prayer again, the qada. He did not mention a condition. He did not say, if you pray without making ishtihad and you didn't ask someone despite that person being available and you got it wrong, okay, then you've got to pray again. He didn't say that. So that would indicate that you need to pray again, okay, even if you got it right. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So even if you got the direction correct, you've got to pray again. Now, okay, what did he, he uh, Sheikh Uthameen says, وَقَالَ بَعْضُ الْعُلَمَاءِ إِنَّهُ إِذَا أَصَابَ أَجْزَأَ لِأَنَّهُ لَنْ يُصَلِّي إِلَّا إِلَى جِحَةٍ تَمِيلُ لَيْهِ نَفْسُهُ وَهَذَا الْمِيلُ يُوجِبُ غَلَبَةِ الظَّنْ وَغَلَبَةُ الظَّنْ يُكْتَفَى بِهِ فِي الْعِبَادَاتِ this is something really interesting. Sheikh Uthameen says that some scholars though, they said that no, this will be okay for him. If he, got, if he got it right, then he doesn't need to repeat the prayer again. So if he blags the Qibla, he didn't follow the right direction. He did, you know, he was lazy, he did it all wrong way and he's really being silly, but he gets the direction right, it is sufficient. He doesn't need to repeat the prayer. Why? Because there was something in his heart 
is Sheikh Abdul Mizar. There was something in his heart that basically made him choose that particular uh, direction. He and he just didn't just you know whatever. He thought maybe I, I'm just gonna go here. Whatever that was that made him do that, it was yani a a a a a Yani it was a in his mind this was the most probable yani possibility. Yani he felt it was a strong possibility that this is the right direction, and that doesn't come except with a real belief. And ghalabatidvan is something which is sufficient in acts of worship. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, In the hadith of, um, who, who's the rawi of this hadith? Um, wallah, I think the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, I think this is. Is this the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud? Um, is it the hadith of Abdullah? I've forgotten, wallah, who's the, who, who's the hadith, uh, hadith it is. But... I'll come, I'll find it in a minute and I'll tell you who the hadith is. But this is a famous hadith about sajdisah, okay? Person's praying and um, he has some doubt. He's in the third rakah, have I prayed four or have I th prayed three? Or he's in the fourth rakah and he's like, have I prayed three, have I prayed four? Have I prayed three, have I prayed four? What do I do? The Prophet ﷺ then said that, yani, try your best to work out what's, yani, what, what is more correct. Yani, make taharri. Taharri means throw it about, yani, throw it around. Taharrab to the yani, throw it around, think about it, think about it, and then make a judgment call based upon what you think is your best inclination, your best, yani, bet, effectively. And then, if that's the case, then build upon it. So, for example, um, uh, you know, you might say, well, I know for a fact that I've done three because I can remember it, but I'm not too sure about the four. So I'm going to go with three and I'm going to build upon the three. So I'm going to take three as my base number. And even if I end up praying five, so what? No problem. But I built upon what I was certain of. That's what you've been told to do. Then you do such the at the end anyway because of this, what we call taharri. Okay? So, if he got it right, Shaykh Uthameen says, why are we forcing this guy to make a prayer up again? And he goes, this is the correct opinion. This is the more authentic opinion. He goes, if he gets it wrong, then we accept that because he didn't make ishtihad, he didn't ask anyone, so he's got to repeat the prayer. But if he gets it right, khalas, he got it right, even though it was the wrong method, but he got it right. So we'll do that. And we'll, that's going to be our class position on that point as well. Um, and Sheikh also mentions something here, uh, I think really an uh, important point. So, Did you see at the beginning of this text that the Sheikh, he started, that the, the author, okay, he said, okay, right at the beginning, what did he say? وَيُسْتَدَلُّ عَلَيْهِ فِي السَّفَرِ بِالْقُطُبِ بالقطب والشمس والقمر ومنازلهما 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 yes so he said that when a person is traveling okay then he relies upon and the whole point is is because he's not around to ask the locals he can't see the mihrab he can't see the masajid he can't see the qibla of the normal Muslims so he said when a person is traveling then they rely upon the North Star upon the Sun upon the moon they ask someone who knows they try out their best etc and that, that he precursed it pre preceded it pre whatever he did it with it whatever preconditioned it with the word suffer 
It's got to be traveling. Sheikh Tamim wants to ask a question. He goes, is that true? Does travel have to be the precondition for us before we start using all these uh, 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 tools or options? So the option of using sun, moon and whatever. Or for example, ishtihad. Yani the ability to try and work out yani where it is. Okay, Because there are some scholars that say that if you are... Uh, it is not allowed for you to make ishtihad whilst you're at home or whether you're in a Muslim land or in your Muslim community because you always have the ability to ask Muslims. Okay, you'll find that in the books of fiqh. Almost a consensus point that you are only allowed to do this kind of thing, make ishtihad and guesswork when you are traveling. Okay, because the idea is that it's completely ridiculous that you'd have to do that whilst you're amongst Muslims because you just ask any Muslim person on the street. You're in their hometown, of course they'll know the qibla. Okay, that is the assumption and it's been the assumption for a thousand years in the books of fiqh. I'm really happy Sheikh Uthameen asked this question. He goes, is it really yani, some, is it, is it really conditioned to a journey? What about at home? Is it possible to, whilst you're a resident or whilst you're staying somewhere, not a traveler or in the state of being traveling, is it possible to use ishtihad and make guesswork? And Sheikh Uthameen, he goes that there's no doubt that the humbly say that it's not allowed in, uh, it's not allowed at home, it's only for safar. And I believe this is a weak opinion, Sheikh Tamim says. He goes, I believe this is a weak statement. He goes that the correct position is that an al-hadar wa safar kilahuma mahalul ishtihad. Actually, with traveling and uh, being at home, whether you're away or at home or away, it is the place where you can make ishtihad and try your best and make guess. For in the insan fil hadar, qad yasad ilay ila 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 fil layl. He goes that a person who's at home, yani sometimes also would get up and go to his roof and have a look at the sun and the, the stars and go out in the nighttime and look at whatever. And why would he not use this as a way of also indicating the qibla? Maybe he's not, yani, you know, traveling. Maybe there isn't a mosque in his mosque in his locality. Maybe there is. Maybe he wants to double check it. What's wrong with that? And. Um, he goes, as for their statement when they say that you're not allowed to make ishtihad whilst you are at home, because of why, was a per why is a person making ishtihad yani, in a place when they can, as, as I said to you, yani, where you can ask the Muslims and see things. So he goes, Sheikh says, no, annahu, if, if he makes ishtihad about uh, the direction, about his prayer, his prayer is authentic. And if he gets it right, فَإِنَ صَابَ فَالْأَمْرُ الظَّاهِرْ He goes, even if he's at home and he makes a mistake, well, he did ishtihad. And if he أَخْطَأَ, he, if he gets him, if, if he does it wrong, he gets one reward. Yani, you know the hadith of the, of the judges that when a judge strives to give an ishtihad, a, a decision, a qada, if he gets it right, and meaning it was right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gets two rewards. And if he gets it wrong, he gets one reward because he tried his best. So the scholar is always getting a one reward, yani, whatever happens. So if something's rewarded, then yani, we've got to accept it. It's, what's the evidence for restricting it only to safar? So it is possible to make it in hadar. Okay? If a person makes, makes ishtihad in any situation, with respect to yani, the Qibla, whether he's at home or away, he tries his best. As long as he tries his best, he never ever has to repeat the prayer. That's yani, the thing that Sheikh Uthameen says on page 286. Never has to, uh, think. whether he gets it right or doesn't get it right. If you make ishtihad, you never need to repeat the prayer, and that's the key. Whatever happens. Because he has done whatever was obligatory upon him, and the one who does whatever has 
been, been uh, obligated upon him, then he has feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as he can. And whoever fears Allah wa ta'ala and whoever then who fears Allah as much as he possibly can, then it's not upon him and not required for him to marry, uh, to to uh, to pray twice because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not obligate upon anyone an act of worship twice, the same act of worship twice. And that's got to be something which we take out um, from our minds. So, Sheikh, uh, so, so, so it's allowed. And also I just want to say from our point of view that actually Muslim countries, you know, there are places where people don't know. You go around now, ask people, Wallah, you know, you know, Arab countries. Wallah, Mahdi. Wallah, Mahdi. Wallah, Mahdi. You ask anyone anything. Wallah, you are asking a person that, uh, something that he knows. Astaghfirullah. Yani, it's so lazy, so and so wrong, and so, you know, especially directions. My goodness. Asking someone directions in Arab countries. I know I'm being, being completely racist, but I'm just, I'm here in Saudi. I'm just saying the truth. Wallah, Mahdi. Wallah, Mahdi. Just get that off my chest right so and subhanallah us in non-muslim countries especially so non-muslim countries where the mosques there aren't mosques on mihrabs we're just using tv aerials and all this kind of stuff and that comes back down to the point about yani, asking someone who's trustworthy um and trustworthy of course normally means a believer and that's why the idea is in the books of fiqh that you're not are meant to ask a kafir for the direction of the qibla and i say to you it is permissible to ask a kafir non-muslim who knows a direction of something to ask them that direction which is as good as working out the qibla because once he tells you this is definitely north trust me this is north okay then you know that north east south west whatever and you work it out you you know and some people say no he can't be trusted well if he if you know he can't be trusted then you're not going to ask him but if he's a normal non-muslim then it's not a condition here of being a muslim to be able to work out the direction okay that is something important so i believe that the the, the it's it, it is allowed for a person who's traveling or not traveling wherever they are to make the best attempt they don't yani uh uh, uh this this uh, uh making the best effort is not restricted only to uh, traveling it can happen anywhere sheikh says okay i'm gonna throw up a situation if there's a person who is not able to work out the direction, doesn't have the knowledge to be able to work it out, and he's in as a resident, he's in his hometown, he goes to a uh, he goes to some person's house and a friend's house, and he asks the person, So the person he asks, uh, you know, hey, I want to pray in your house. Uh, I need to pray two rak'ah. The guy goes, yep, this is the Janamaz, this is the Musalla, Sajjada, take it, and it's just there, that direction. So then you pray, and then you find out later that the guy in the house, the house owner, he didn't know what he was doing, he got it wrong. Sheikh says that according to the Madhab, this person has to repeat this prayer again because the only time that you are meant to rely upon another person is in absolute yani when the person is absolutely certain of the direction and so on. What's sahih? Sheikh Uthameen says actually the correct position is the person does not repeat the prayer. He will not. Because this person depended upon the statement of someone that he trusts. And that's the owner of the house for crying out loud. I mean, if the owner of the house doesn't know the direction of the prayer, who's going to know the direction of the prayer? Um, and he did what was obligatory upon him. And whoever does whatever is obligatory upon them, then they are never to repeat their prayer. So basically, Shaykh Uthameen says, likewise, yani, uh, if a person asks someone for a fatwa and the guy, and he uh, operates according to that fatwa, and that fatwa was a mistake, 
The first person is not sinful for using that fatwa. He asked the guy for fatwa, and the fatwa turned out to be wrong. The other, the mufti, and he gets rewards for trying his best. You get the rewards for I've been doing what was obligatory upon you, which was to ask, basically. And the story, there's no more drama to this, okay? So, Sheikh Uthameen writes a really beautiful summary of this. He goes, so the, the summary of this situation is, number one, Man salla bi ijtihadin fa salatuhu sahiha, sawa'un ahta'a am asab, wa sawa'un fi safar am fil hadar, ala al-qawl al-rajih. Number one, number one, Whoever prays according, whoever prays making the very best effort to uh, uh, find the Qibla, so they uh, asked or they, no, they asked, they, they, they tried the best, they tried the apps, they you know looked and they looked at the windows or the sun, this, that, they tried the compass, they went through all of it, okay? So they did the ishtihad. Their prayer would always be valid and correct whether they got the direction wrong or whether they got the direction right whether they are traveling whether they are resident in their own homes whether they are a stranger in another land or in their own yani area this is the correct position that's number one okay that's our class position as well sheikh Uthameen's position okay number two he says and secondly and and the second, uh, secondly, the only thing you need to know in summary of this chapter, if a person prays without making that effort, without trying any means, without asking any person who knows, without doing anything, and he gets the prayer, he gets the direction wrong, then he has to repeat that prayer. If he gets the direction right, he fluked it, he blagged it, he does not need to repeat the prayer uh, uh, according to the correct position. That's the Shaykh means one. And that's our class position, these two uh, uh, scenarios. Okay. Um, okay, right. So, So, Sheikh says then that someone who understands al-arif, okay, someone who yani yarif, yani someone who knows, that someone who understands how to work out the Qibla, he knows basically that the Qibla is towards yani, the southeast. I live in England, I live in America, I live in whatever, not America, I live in, U I live in uh, Europe, I live in Sweden, whatever. I know that the Qibla is southeast, I know that yani, the sun is here, and I know that, that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So, he knows, and he makes, and he makes his best attempt at Okay? He, yani, basically, what, 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 what's being said is that a person who does not know where the Qibla is, he has to keep making the best shout every single time. Someone who understands how to work out the Qibla must attempt to do so for every prayer. That's the translation of the, of the statement. So every single prayer is not good enough. And that's something which I do, by the way, just so that you know, because this is something that I've been practicing, is that it's well known in the books of fiqh. And also practically it makes sense. So obviously we live in app world, okay? I will go, I told you before, for four or five apps just for the first prayer. And then when I pray again, I will do it again. I'm probably in a different place in the room, I'm different, you know, thinking about that magnetic thing, you know, do that. Forget anything that your phone tells you to do, etc., etc. Have another look out. That's the point that's being made. Every single individual prayer has to have a new uh, ishtihad made, like a new attempt to make work out the qibla. That's basically what's, said, what's being said, okay? Um, uh, so, for example, if he makes this best attempt to work out the direction for Salat al-Dhuhr and then afterwards 
and, and he work and he basically becomes clear to him that the qibla is in front of him exactly as he was pointing and then he makes he puts something down to indicate it and then he prays and then his prayer is uh, valid then asr time comes in and فَلَا يَعْتَمِدُ عَلَى الْإِشْتِهَادِ الْأَوَّلِ وَيَجِبُ أَنْ يُعِيدَ الْإِشْتِهَادِ مَرَّةٍ ثَانِيَةٍ وَيَنْظُرْ إِلَى الْأَدِلَّةِ مَرَّةٍ ثَانِيَةٍ فَلِكُلِّ سُلَّةِ إِشْتِهَادٍ إِحْتِمَالٌ لِخَطَأٍ فِي الْإِشْتِهَادِ الْأَوَّلِ لَكِنْ هَذَا الْقَوْلُ ضَعِيفٌ أَيْضًا So what does Sheikh Uthameen says? He goes that then the second prayer. What does he do? He then makes the uh, 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 um, he puts that down and then time for asr comes. And if he was to carry on praying towards that same direction, then <coughs> that person would have to repeat that prayer again because he did not make the ishtihad again. He could be wrong because the first time that he did it, he could have got it wrong. So why did you carry on? You should have done it again. And Sheikh Uthameen says, this is, a, this is also a very weak statement, a very weak position as well. And, it's, and it is also well known yani, in our kind of, you know, in our, amongst our peers and amongst modern scholars that they are not happy with this understanding. I told you, I do it all the time. I live by this, okay? I live by this because I've seen it myself. I think what I want to say, actually, my version of this is different to what's being said here. My belief is not that yani, that we shouldn't trust the first yani, uh, uh, ishtihad I made. My point is, is that using phones is notoriously yani, uh, uh, untrustworthy. I have genuinely seen three different prayers, three different attempts to work out the Qibla in three different times, and they pointed to the different direction. So because of that, and you know, when a person sees that once, they lose all confidence in the phone. So I'm always yeah, checking my thing again and again and again. Okay? Now, but let's now look at it from a general principles point of view. If a person has tried his best, now we're not talking phone, we're looking at north and south and this and that, whatever, and we said, right, this is it. Okay? I'm now going with this. The author is saying, that's great, wonderful. Now when you do the prayer again, you go do it again. Sheikh Uthameen says, absolutely, uh-uh, no way. He goes, absolutely no way. The correct position is that it's not necessary for him to keep making ishtihad for every single prayer as long as there's not a reason to do so. So unless, for example, he sees something, someone comes to him and says, by the way, you weren't looking at the sun, you were looking at the moon. Or you weren't looking at the north star, you were looking at something in the south or whatever. So he's saying, Sheikh is keeping it open. He's saying, unless there's an obvious reason. So this is my position, you see. And my reason is that I've seen phones mess up. They are untrustworthy. And so that is my reason why I repeat the prayer. That's why I always do a new one each time. So that's the mentality you've got to have, unless there's a reason for, for doubt. If there is no reason for doubt, then why on earth are you doing that again? And that's his point. He goes, مثلاً, uh, 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 he, you know, he gets some kind of doubt because something happened. Then if there is some doubt, then he does the issue again and he looks at it. Um, so you don't need to repeat the process unless he suspects that something has gone wrong. So he goes, uh, and uh, but other than that, you do not do it again. You carry on praying and that's it. He goes, the example of this is like any other mujtahid or mufti. When he's been given a new issue to give a ruling in, then he works it out his best thing, looks at evidences, makes his decision, then he makes a judgment call and he gives a fatwa. He doesn't then spend the next day any time, the next hours going over again and again, otherwise nothing would happen. And you know, that is the reason, that's the ruling, and you stick by that until new evidence comes along. You're reading a book and something like, oh, I didn't know that, oh, maybe I can use that to update my position or change my ruling because you've realized that a hadith that you used to think was weak before now is authentic. Yeah, and something happens, there's a reason for you to change your opinion. But unless something happens, you don't change your opinion. Your original position is correct, 
it's a fatwa, it's an ishtihad, it's a correct ruling to follow, and you get the reward, and if it's right, I get the reward twice, and if I get it wrong, then it was one reward, and then I do it again because there's a reason that I think I got it wrong, and then I get it right, I get two rewards again. So that is, I honestly, I think that's a really nice point that Sheikh Uthameen makes, okay? Um, بل يكتفي بالأول ما لم يكن هناك سبب سبب لإعادة النظر. At the top of page 288, he says just like يعني yeah, as long as there's no reason for him to have to think about it again, he just carries on with it. And then the author though, he what does he say? He goes ويصلي الثان ويصلي بالثاني ولا يقضي ما صلى بالأول. He then he then prays according to his new judgment, and he doesn't need to repeat his first prayer. That is what. The, uh, 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 the author, the Hanbalis are saying that يعني, according, so he made his new judgment and he found that it's a new direction so from now he prays according to this new direction and the fact that he prayed the first one in the wrong direction actually he does not need to repeat that prayer because he tried his best and they accepted their ijtihad so even the Hanbalis accept that point so what does Sheikh uh, say uh, in commentary to that he says لِأَنَّ الْأَوَّلِ مبني على اجتهاد قد أتى الإنسان بما يجب عليه فيه ومن أتى بما يجب عليه فلا يلزم له لأننا لو قلنا باللزوم الإعادة لأوجبنا عليه على إعادة مرتين. He goes, we cannot be continually questioning our act of worship that's based upon اجتهاد because that would then basically mean that we're going to be offering all of our obligations twice or repeating them, which is يعني unacceptable. So he goes that for example, if a person prays ظهر towards the north and he believes that that is absolutely spot on and that is the قبلة. And then in Asr time, he actually realized that it should be towards the south. Then he does not repeat Dhuhr because the first prayer was done according to Ishtihad, according to what he thought. And that, yani, and, and he makes a really nice point here. Ishtihad cannot be cancelled out by Ishtihad. Because your new Ishtihad, that you're saying that it should be towards the south, it's Ishtihad anyway. How can you, or, or on what basis are you saying that this Ishtihad is any stronger or any better? To cancel out the first ishtihad, maybe actually when you do it a third time, you find that so was the east. So you're going to cancel yani, your second best, uh, your second attempt, cancelling out your first attempt by yani, thinking that your second attempt any was better than the first attempt, and actually your third attempt could be better than both, or then not even that could be wrong. So ishtihad does not get it. Yani uh, uh, has the ability to cancel ishtihad. He goes, I'll give you an example. He goes in the masail al-ilmiyyah. If there's a person that he uh, he makes a decision based upon the texts. And then after a long time of researching and debate and you know, looking at different texts and whatever, it becomes clear to him that actually his first position is not right. He is, فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَلْزِمُهُ نَقْتُ الْحُكُمٍ كَانَ حَاكِمٍ بِهِ And, وَلَا نَقْتُ الْفَتْوَى فَلَا يَلْزِمُهُ يَذْهَبْ إِلَى الَّذِي أَفْتَاهُ فِي الْأَوَّلِ وَيَقُولْ إِنِّي أَفْتَيْتُكَ بِكَذَا وَتَبَيْنَ so this person, he's not obligated now to go to that person who came to him and asked for a fatwa. That ruling remains. It's not cancelled. It doesn't automatically become cancelled because you can't cancel the first ishtihad by the second ishtihad. This is across all boards, all the schools, all areas of science, of, of knowledge. So he says, you wouldn't go back to that first person and say, listen, as long as you tried your best. Now, if you were lazy and you just gave fatwa, then that's you speaking about knowledge and that's the only crime bigger than shirk. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, you know, and that you say something about Allah without knowledge, you shouldn't be speaking that in the first place. But if you tried your best and you worked it out, that this is my position, this is what I believe, and you've given that ruling, that remains a valid ruling. Whether you find out to be wrong later or not, 
But that's the only one that we're going to go with. You are now, once you find out that your opinion now changes, you're not obligated to go find all those people and say, listen, by the way, I told you this, and that's actually wrong, you need to change your opinion. No, that's uh, uh, correct. If you come across them and they say to you, hey, you know, and you're, you say to them, by the way, this is my new position. And if they now change as a result, because they believe that your new position is correct as well, then fine. But if they say, well, to be honest, I, I don't really know whether your new position is any stronger than your first one, right? That's a valid point that you can make. Um, Sheikh says, How can you cancel one ishtihad by another? Because, Just like there was a mistake in the first one, there could be a mistake in the second ishtihad. And he goes, and perhaps actually that the first one was the correct opinion. And he thinks the second one is correct, but actually it wasn't. Even the second could be wrong, so we don't yani, uh, do that. Um, and there is a narration from Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu in the issue which was called the Himariya. Himariya is one of the, you know, when they come across really difficult rulings in inheritance, random ones, where there's one person who's dead, that person's dead, that person's alive, and it becomes complicated. One blocks the, this one from inheritance, this one, and then they have to give ishtihad. And that's really one really the most difficult ishtihads. And we have al-Umariya and al-Umariya this, and, and they are often named after the person who made ishtihad. Sayyidina Ali or Umar had to do it many times. And so they've all got individual names. And inshallah, we'll get to that yani, in 56 years when we come to the, the chapter of inheritance. But the point is, is that a sheikh says that um, when Umar, he, in the issue of al-Himariya, he gave the uh, judgment that um, that actually blood, bro blood brothers are to be blocked off, okay? I will not receive inheritance in a certain scenario. And then that situation happened again, but this time he involved the uh, uh, blood brothers. So this, so in the first scenario, the blood brothers were excluded and the money went elsewhere. And this, when the situation happened again, he gave a new ruling and he included everyone. And so he reduced the shares and he included the blood brothers in it. And it was said to him, he was, he was, it was said to him, hey, your previous ruling was this. And he said, and this has been narrated by Abdul Razak in his Musannaf. He said, that was according to what we made judgment then, and this is what we're now making judgment by. Yani, you know, that's fine for what I said then, and I'm happy with what I said, and I've tried my best, and it's valid, and then this is what I'm judging by now, and I'm happy that my opinion needs to be changed according to evidences and what I've been told, and I'm going to go with this now. And therefore the first ruling was not cancelled out. He didn't, for example, go. And this is important because if this is now wahi, knowledge, certain knowledge and absolute truth and haqq and everything, then what should happen now? What should happen now is that I'm now absolutely certain that my second opinion is correct. My first one is wrong. Go and find that person and take back the money and redivide it. It's not difficult, is it? I want the money to go back as a pot and redivide it with the brothers included. Those brothers got skanked. Those brothers got skanked. They could raise a case. And what would happen in that case? The case would be that that was a valid fatwa for valid at that time. And we can't now go and chase that guy. That guy is taking the money and he's spent it or he's invested it or he's not, whatever. And, you know, okay. If the guy hadn't spent the money and he had remained there and the guy was asked, listen, hey, are you willing to do this again accordingly? And then, you know, and he said, yeah, then okay, it would be. But if he said, absolutely not, 
I promised that money to someone else. I've made all my dreams about that money. I gave up work and I did this, I did that. You get what I'm trying to say? Yani, we can't destroy the guy's dreams because he, what did he do wrong? What was his to blame? He asked for fatwa, did everything that Allah had obligated upon him. He asked the scholars, that was Sayyidina Omar, the best of them at that time. He gave the ruling. It's a valid ruling. So we can't say ishtihad cancels out ishtihad. And that's why subhanAllah studying knowledge makes it very clear. You know, when people come to me and they say, yeah, you know, why do you raise your hands? I want to raise my hands as well. Okay. And I think I feel that my prayer is not valid anymore because you know I pray my hands down here or I don't raise my hands. I'm thinking, Subhanallah, this is an ishtihad. There are companions that used to pray with their hands like that. There are hadith that say that, and some scholars think that hadith are weak, and others think that they're authentic. It's an ishtihad based upon the authenticity of the hadith. We can't say for absolute certain that the actual sunnah is a hundred percent raising the hands. It could be abrogated, it might not be abrogated. The hadith are oh, there is discussion. We certainly believe this is the strongest opinion, absolutely no doubt about that. But can we say that yani, a person's prayers is invalid? Yani because he's following an ishtihad of scholars. Come on, man. So, yani, you know, this understanding this principle at its heart gives us a much greater appreciation of ishtihad matters. Of course, there's a danger as well. The danger is that you start to become too liberal and too laissez-faire and say, ah, oh, man, we're all differing and it's all love and peace and, you know, let's hug and jannah hug and group hug and whatever. No, no. Because there are certain uh, uh, aspects of the deen that have no basis for difference of opinion, where there is a consensus, for example, an issue, or when it's in the matter of aqli, then it's not yani fun fiqh, yani matters, okay? No, we, then we can't mess about. But when there are yani valid ishtihads, and the issue is one that is difficult, and when there are differences of opinion amongst the scholars, then we're not going to say that one ishtihad cancels out another ishtihad. And that's really, really important. Um, this narration, by the way, of... So basically, if this person said, hey, I'm willing to give this up, no problem, then fine. But is he obligated? No, that ruling is a thingy. The brothers will say, I'm sorry, that's the yani, God now, and uh, Allah, and you know, raise your complaint to Allah. And that's it, and that's absolutely valid, bro. And so we're not gonna go around and explain to everyone. I mean, I've told people things that, that I believe, which I now don't believe, for example. I've told people things that I believe, and then someone reminds me, and what I said, and I'm saying, did I say that? Are you sure I said that? Because I don't remember anything. And I'm always dependent upon people telling me things. Um, and um, like on the issue people uh, you know, just so that you know okay uh, people ask me about the issue of abortion a lot and I have to say that this is one of the most fluid opinions with respect to myself I change my opinion here yeah like I change my sunglasses which is probably every couple of years okay I try and get as much best use out of my sunglasses as possible because they're expensive aviators are expensive I've got my shallow nice pair the other day by the way my shallow to Allah, not aviators another brand okay they're nice so every couple of years I do change it. But I want to say to you that I have gone back and forth on the issue of emergency contraception and whether it's abortive or not because of the concept of exactly when life starts. And you know, it's an area of science. Science keeps developing, my opinion keeps changing. Uh, I, back in the early days, I was always very strictly upon 120 days, four months, and straight after that, that's the only time life starts before, then it doesn't. All through my pharmacy years and every time I was giving out the pill and so on and so forth, absolutely, absolute certain I was. Yani, uh, I said, yani, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Muslim. Christians believe at life starting at conception at day zero, and we don't at all. We believe in uh, the, the spirit being breathed in, we believe in yeah, the development of the body, we believe in yeah, the hadith that says that this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, 40 days, 40 days, 40 days, and 120 days is the is the thing. And then my opinion changed, okay, after studies of hadith, especially the hadith of Sahih Muslim about the 40 days, and that it will become an alaqa, then it will become mudgha, then the ruh will be breathed in. And actually, um, I do believe that the, the, the spirit is being breathed in before 120 days. And not only that, I do believe that there is 
more to it than just these actual stages. I believe that these hadith are not necessarily speaking in exact stages terms in terms of accuracy, but rather in a general phrase, even though specific numbers are being used. And that's itself and it is a controversial position. So there's a period of time now where I'm kind of like thinking that life might start very, very early. There was a period of time, for example, that I believe that life started, not life, but abortion was impermissible even from a mutilation point of view. That even if there is no uh, soul in the spirit, there is no soul in the body or the embryo or the fetus or whatever you want to call it, or the blastocyst or whatever, but it's formation of cells which is attached to the womb and the uterine wall and you just pulling it out via any of the progesterone or whatever high dose XYZ you give is still kind of mutilating something which is part of the flesh and the woman has no right to be able to do that. No right to do that to herself, just like she has no right to, you know, mark herself or do tattoos or do X, Y or do crazy piercings and stuff like that, which are not the norm for beauty. Not, I'm not talking about nose and ears, but other bakwasi, you know. So that's something which is not permissible. So why would it be permissible to cut yourself inside? And there was a long period of time where I was on that position. And I used to believe that it was a position of Hanifa until I found out, like, until I couldn't find the, the, the asanid for it. So a good few years. Then I moved on from that. I said that, no, it's a position in between these two. So that it's got to be based upon some form of life. So now not going by 120 days, now not going by zero and by the concept of mutilation, but rather that abortion cannot be allowed after there is some form of life. And life itself is a very subjective phrase. It's got to be human-like. And that can be around 11, 12, 13 weeks, 14 weeks. Yeah, and some of the stuff is really scary, some of the new pictures that we see. And it definitely does make us change our opinion. Yeah, and it makes us definitely be more careful. So. I'm just giving you that, that, that my, my point that if you don't don't trust and don't be content with what I tell you about the issue of abortion and when it's time, because my opinion is my best guess and is based upon my Islamic knowledge and my medical knowledge, and it's a changing area. There's more evidence coming out through viability is increasing, younger ages are being kept alive, there are more pictures coming out of movement and heartbeats, but well, it makes things difficult, difficult. And who's to say that life, who's to say that the soul is the thing which is giving it what is known as life? isn't uh, something which is alive, something which is moving. If we see something moving, we say it's alive, right? Um, I, mean, I know this is all debatable. I know we're, we're speaking in the wrong area. And I think we spoke a bit about this in chapter menstruation. Go and check out the videos. And I think maybe I've even changed since then. Allahu A'lam. I can't even remember what I held in, that, in, in those classes. I'll be honest with you. I don't, you know, one thing that I don't like doing is to always ask to see what I said. I always like to reassess the situation, okay? But I'm not going to be cussing myself and beating myself up over some, some statement I said before. No way. Uh -uh. So, anyway, this statement of Umar is really good. That is what according to what we did then, and this is what we're according to what we do now. This was this hadith by this narration, sorry, it's narrated by Abdul Razak in his Musannaf, and it's also narrated in the uh, the pages of Saeed ibn Mansur. I've forgotten the name of his book. I think it might be Musannaf as well. It is narrated in the Musannaf of Abu Bakr ibn Abi Shayba, in the chapter of inheritance, uh, in the sub-chapter of the husband, mother, brother, and paternal sisters, and a cousin from the, uh, sorry, and a maternal, no, Ibn, and a son, and a maternal, Sister, goodness me. No, uh, 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 maternal brothers, maternal brothers. My goodness, what a title. Anyway, who yani, gets what out of all these people? And it's also narrated by Bukhari in Tariq al Kabir and, in, and by Imam al Qutni and by Haqi. And 
uh, all through the, uh, the, the direction of Wahab ibn Munabbih and Al-Hakam ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi and Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. Imam al-Bukhari, he said, لم يتبين سماع Wahab ibn Al-Hakam. He goes, it's not very clear whether Wahab heard from Al-Hakam and but Imam al so he's putting some doubt into the narration. Whereas Imam al-Dhahabi said, هذا إسناد صالح. This is a acceptable good chain. So inshallah, this, uh, this, this uh, particular narration is acceptable. Um, so that's the chapter of the Qibla, folks. Um, what did we do? We only have one, we don't know so many preconditions. And inshallah, next lesson, we'll start the last one, which is a big one, mega one, the chapter of the Niyyah. It's very important, of course, because every in al-Niyyat, all actions are based by intention, or all actions are by intention. And it is the biggest one I would have thought, because it is too, it, 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 ultimately, it, is, it makes our action, or it destroys our action. That's for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. So we'll talk about that. And it's interesting that of all of these conditions, what do we cover all of last year and up until now? This is the last one we're going to do. But he didn't mention all of them. And we'll talk about that at the beginning of next lesson. So we left out, you know, a few things like Islam and Aqal and whatever and Tamiz, the ability to be able to distinguish right from wrong. These are preconditions for acts of worship. Okay. Yani it's not, prayer is not obligatory. A person who has no ability to, to, to work out right from wrong doesn't understand the prayer. I mean, and it's not, it's not obligatory upon the insane. And he didn't mention that. He mentioned covering the aura and being in wudu and, you know, uh, direction and all the stuff that we did. Yeah, and pure, and pure, and pure, and the state of purity, and etc. And now the qibla, and the last one's going to be things. So anyway, in, in in conclusion, what can we say about qibla? Obviously, it's a precondition. You got to try your very very best. Um, it's not a condition for sunnah prayers, nafil prayers, um, uh, for obligatory prayers. You got to take it seriously. I know we spoke about the moving vehicles and things like that and if you aren't able to pray then you pray in those vehicles but should you try to make your your qibla yes you should you should try and park up if you're unable to at the very least yani, uh, you know uh, pray somewhere pray in your seat try and turn around do as much as you can and if not then as some of our teachers have said then you know uh, you have feared Allah as much as you can and even in a plane that's going in the opposite direction uh, you know some of our scholars have said that you don't it's not obligatory meaning that it's a need it's a mashaqqa it's a great difficulty to stand up and turn around and pray and cause danger and i'm happy with that opinion i mean there's something in my heart about it I, I i mean i myself i always try to turn around i always do crazy stuff on a plane and i do it you know but i don't inconvenience other people i don't you only go and cause dangerous scenarios but for myself yes so you've got to try and establish that that direction and whether you're traveling, whether you're home, you try your best and you use natural things and you use the phones and you use all these apps we've been speaking about. And, you know, it's been nice to be able to review all of that. And you ask people and if you, as long as you try your best and you get it right, great. But if you get it wrong entirely, don't worry and stress about it. You never need to repeat any of those prayers historically or the one you just did because you tried your best. And that's the Qibla folks. And um, again, as there's no uh, extra questions, I think that I picked up a few questions there though. So um, that should be sufficient. So I am complete. You are fortunate enough to have two nice, beautiful, straight one-hour sessions and no extra delay uh, in the weeks of football and games and so on. So I think you should thank me for that. Alhamdulillah. And from the beautiful city, uh, Al-Madinatul Munawwara, the city of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What a beautiful place to be and what a sad yani, thing that... Uh, my regular students, my regular guys in Chido and those who are online, all of the folks, yani, you know who you are, uh, couldn't be with me here. But inshallah, please join me for Umrah. Anyone who is, uh, um, I've been before, you'll know that. And um, 
we have a really good time alhamdulillah and we're studying whatever this is obviously a bit of a different group not so big on the LP thing we can take that no problem alright folks jazakumullah khair subhanakallah wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirukallahum wa atubu ilayk wa assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh